From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good evening. Thanks for tuning in. For those watching, you'll notice we are not in our normal studio. We are in the FRC Media Center here in Washington, D.C. to accommodate an audience of FRC partners from around the country. So if you hear clapping or laughing, I'm not laughing at my own jokes. They're laughing. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition. Ten months and 17 days of the longest 50-50 Senate in history. 51, a slim majority. That was Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer doing a victory lap after his party captured the one remaining U.S. Senate seat in Georgia. Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss joins me here in studio in just a moment. And uh, speaking of elections, RNC Chair Ronna McDaniels joins us in studio for a discussion of the GOP's review of the midterm elections. That's coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. And will Republicans and Democrats resort to -to hand-to-hand combat over the National Defense Authorization Act. Republicans want to end the COVID mandates for troops, but the White House? They'd rather uh, rather fight against the health and well-being of our troops than protecting them. And we believe that it is a mistake. That was White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre this afternoon. We'll get the latest from Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe. And speaking of national security, it was 81 years ago today December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. That was President Franklin D. Roosevelt before a joint session of Congress the day after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. Is America once again vulnerable? FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, joins me here for that conversation. So why was the alleged Russian collusion so important, but documented big tech collusion a distraction? What is happening, it's, it's not, it's, it's frankly, it's not healthy. It won't do anything to help a single American improve their lives. And so, look, this isn't, we, we see this as an interesting, uh, you, know, cons, uh, you know, coincidence. Uh, and, uh, we, and, you know, it's a distraction. Mm, distraction. That was White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre earlier in the week. We'll get the latest on the Twitter files from Kentucky Congressman James Comer who will be the incoming chairman of the House Oversight Committee in the 118th Congress. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. I encourage you to visit that site. Also, the lame duck session, unfortunately, continues. So you need to be informed and engaged. We're going to be talking about some of those issues that are making their way through. But to stay in touch, text the word DUCK, that's D-U-C-K, to 67742. You'll get a link, follow it over. And we'll make sure you stay informed as to what's coming up in this lame duck session of Congress. The word for today comes from Isaiah chapter 23, verse 17. And it shall be at the end of 70 years that the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return to her hire and commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. Now, this prophecy of judgment was upon Tyre, the hub of world trade at the time. Equating commerce with prostitution is interesting. It suggests that Tyre would do whatever was necessary for a prophet. Not only did God not honor such an approach, he judged it. You know, I think America may have a similar problem. Have you noticed how almost everything is measured by its impact upon the economy? Now, I'm for a strong economy, and capitalism provides the best opportunity for a good economy, but it must rest upon a moral foundation, where making a profit is not the highest good, but rather glorifying God would be our chief aim. To join us in our journey through the Bible, visit frc.org Bible. Well, another busy day in our nation's capital as the 117th session of Congress is in its final weeks, and that end cannot get here fast enough. A House vote on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act was postponed yet again, keep praying, taking a back seat as legislators focused on budget talks and the National Defense Authorization Act. Now, latest version, the NDAA, does include language that would eliminate the COVID shot mandate for military service members, but 
It does not call for reinstatement of service members already discharged for not getting the jab. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Jody Heiss. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and the House Committee on the National Resources. He represents Georgia's 10th Congressional District. Congressman Ice, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the, uh, the Georgia election um, record voter participation. Uh, sounds like suppression, doesn't it? I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable that we would have Senator Warnock come out and say, in spite of having record turnouts at the ballot box, we still have voter suppression in Georgia. It absolutely is a false statement through and through. To me, it sounds like there's voter confidence. Uh, absolutely. And look, uh, Georgia ha- had problems in the past. We know that. The General Assembly passed uh, SB 202. They've addressed many of the problems. I think there are probably some more that need to be addressed in the upcoming uh, general uh, session that will be coming up in January. But they've made great progress trying to address problems of the past. And the fact that we had such an incredible turnout in this election is evidence that uh, voters in Georgia are having confidence that their votes actually count. There's still work to be done, but uh, I I think as you've seen, almost two dozen states that have reformed their election laws, it is bringing confidence. And uh, we're going to talk more about that in our next segment with the, the chair of the RNC. I think we need to use some of these laws that the Democrats have put in place that we don't necessarily agree with, but we need to make sure that every conservative is participating in voting in these elections. Well, there's no question about that. And it's interesting. You may not be aware of this. It literally happened right before me coming over here today. But the the reason the NDAA currently is being stalled on having a vote is because some Democrats are demanding that H.R. 4 be added to it which is a right. federal takeover of elections. Yeah, I was, I was actually on uh, the phone with a member, another member uh, this shortly before coming on because it's the rule that they've tied, and this is kind of complicated, I hate to get into this to the weeds on this, but they're linking the NDAA to the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which they've already attached the Disrespect for Marriage Act to. Yeah, and all these things that are not germane at all right. to funding our military and make, making sure that our military is suited to defend us as a country, and they just add all this garbage to it during lame duck sessions like this, and that's the danger of these lame duck uh, periods of time. So let's talk about this. Um, we're going to talk more about it later, but the vaccine mandate. So the White House is opposed to even uh, stopping the mandate for the shot, not talking about reinstating those members and making them whole. Will the Republicans go along with just stopping the shot and not addressing the... This is atrocious, what's happened it to is these atrocious. members of the military. It absolutely is. And they should not go along with it. Some of them probably will, but they shouldn't. Because what, what was added was to rescind the, the letter calling for the um, uh, vax mandate, but it does not prohibit it. So you're going to still have certain companies or certain whatever... Uh, parts of the military that say, well, I want everyone in this group to have the shot, and they, they will still be able to do so. Uh, this does not do away with it at all. And even beyond that, for those who have been dismissed by the military, which we have thousands and thousands and thousands, uh, there's no pathway for them to be reinstated. Uh, it's just uh, no, no Republicans should be supporting this. The president himself has declared that the pandemic is over. Why are we even having the discussion? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is a, a great point. Everyone knows the pandemic is over. Uh, and yet the, it, it is all a push for power. And it, it, is, it is as though, and I don't, I don't want to go too far, Tony, but it is as though there is a patriot purge taking place in our military, an attempt to get rid of people in our military who have... Uh, feelings of patriotism to this country and liberty, uh, the values that we stand for, they want to get rid of those people, it appears, so that they can have individuals in the military who will uh, unfold and enforce the liberal radical agenda of this current administration. I'm going to talk with General Boykin about this later, but the, the Navy having such difficulty meeting their recruiting requirements that they're actually lowering the entrance score requirement to enter into the Navy. And the Navy's not the only ones who are uh, falling far short of their recruitment uh, goals. And this is extremely concerning. So, so uh, let me make sure I understand. So we're pushing healthy, uh, trained men and women, in fact, in some cases, Navy SEALs, pushing them out 
while at the same time no one wants to come through the front door. Exactly. Exactly that's what we're facing. And, and you can't hardly blame people for not wanting to enter into this type of military environment. And we're having, as I read the reports, difficulty in the South where you have a disproportionate number of conservatives. I hate to offend all our friends up north, but down in the South, you know, God-fearing uh, patriot Americans who, you know, are just not going to go along with this stuff. So they're looking at other options rather than the military. That's right. And again, you can't blame them for doing so. I, I know our office in the last couple of years has been inundated, inundated with military personnel who have, uh, they've not been able to get waivers for their religious beliefs or whatever other waivers they've been trying to seek for a dismissal from uh, the vaccine mandates. They've been forced out of the military. And in that forcing out, some of them are, are potentially losing their retirements, even right. though they've been there for uh, decades, some of them. They're losing benefits with the VA uh, because they... Well, they get a general discharge. The, it's a general, not an honorable right. discharge. Right. And because it's been decreased from honorable to general, they lose... Uh, potentially a significant it's number a, of benefits. It's a travesty. Uh, before we run out of time, Congressman Heiss, uh, the budget negotiations, there are some wanting to do an omnibus, uh, others, conservatives, saying we should have just a short-term funding into the first part of next year and let this new Congress actually set the funding priorities. Well, that's exactly the way it should be. Uh, and again, uh, we everything rises and falls on leadership. And right now we're going to see what kind of leadership uh, we have and how they're going to fight. Look, the, the Democrats would want nothing more than to set forth a continuing resolution of the current budget that would go for another year. So that for another year, although we would have control of the House of Representatives, we would be subject to continue paying for all the horrible liberal agenda items that they have. The, the biggest leverage the House of Representatives will have is the budget. Exactly. And that's why that fight has to happen right now, and it's a fight we cannot afford to lose. Uh, we need a continuing resolution that will just go in the first week or two of January and give time for the next Congress uh, to step up and, and take charge since they are the controlling party at this so, point. So where do we stand right now? It's, uh, you know, we're going to see. I, I'm still waiting to, of course, we don't know exactly what the CR is going to be. So it's a, it's a game of speculation right now at this point. But uh, I think Kevin McCarthy right now needs to be making all the noise he can and laying, drawing a line in the sand saying we will not put up with any CR that does not meet these certain barriers it, and standards. Is this an issue that people need to be calling their members Absolutely. of Congress? Uh, unless they want to be paying through the nose for a bunch of uh, uh, radical agenda items over the next year. Uh, these things need to come to a stop, and now's the time for us to address them. All right, Congressman Jody Heiss, always great to see you. Thanks so much for Thank coming you. in. Today. Great to be with you. And, folks, uh, you can contact your member of Congress. You can either go to FRC Action, and uh, you can follow the links over, or just call the Capitol switchboard, 202-224-3121. That's 202 202- 224-3121 and um, ask for your member of Congress. If you're not sure who it is, just give them your zip code and they will connect you with their office and tell them, look, hold the line. No more spending. Uh, just let the new Congress, which hopefully will be more conservative with the Republicans in control, to set the spending priorities for next year. All right, don't go away. We're coming back going to talk more elections, going to analyze the midterm and the way forward for conservative voters across this nation as the chair of the Republican National Committee joins us here in studio. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Merry Christmas and welcome back to Washington Watch. I love this time of year as we can listen to the Christmas music. And as I mentioned, we are not in our normal studio. We're in the Media Center here at the Family Research Council with a live audience of FRC partners from across the country. And, you know, if I get tired, I'll just grab one of them and they'll take over. All right. Though the midterm elections did not deliver the red wave, many predicted Republicans did take control of the House of Representatives. And the other thing is we won a lot of school boards across the country. Parents got involved. That was great news. But with the Senate under Democratic control and the the 2024 presidential campaign around the corner, Republican National Committee Chair Rana McDaniel has formed an advisory board to review and assess the party's midterm performance. I'm pleased to uh, confirm that I'm a member of that advisory board and thrilled to begin the work of evaluating the 2022 election cycle and how evangelicals, people of faith, were engaged and why they weren't when they weren't and uh, what went well what didn't and what improvements can be made well joining me now to talk about this and more is Rhonda mcdaniel she is the chair of the republican national committee Rhonda, thanks for being here always good to be with you thanks for having me tony so i want to i'm going to get to the commission or to the advisory council but first i want to ask you about georgia because we uh, we, we talked earlier with congressman jody heiss uh, Senator Warnock said there's voter suppression, but yet we had record-breaking turnout. Absolutely. And if you look at the state as a whole, Brian Kemp in 2018 won his governor race by 50,000 votes, by about 1% against Stacey Abrams, right? So here we have rematch 2022. Mm-hmm. He won by 7.5%. We actually had eight Republicans win statewide with close to 9%. So Republicans had a very good night. Obviously, the Senate race didn't go the way we wanted. We were against an incumbent Democrat who had a lot more money. But the turnout was through the roof, and Republicans did very well. Let's talk about that spending. The, the spending was almost 3 to 1, was it not? It was 3 to 1 for Warnock. Uh, and, and we've got to get people engaged, and, and giving to Herschel was was an issue. There were people who said, we're, we're done, it's it's." But that wasn't over. the only Senate race where we saw the, the, the Democrats far outspent Republicans. They did. And, you know, their small dollar donations came in and they've got big tech and they've got Hollywood. And we do a lot with little. Right. uh, But we absolutely have been outspent. One thing you you did, the RNC, that I was really thrilled to see this time was more in terms of poll watching, making sure that there was confidence in the system. 
Yeah, so in Georgia, we had 100% coverage of every polling location, not just on election day, but through the whole early vote period. This is huge. We had this in every battleground state. So people have the confidence that somebody's there. But we also had a team of lawyers and a war room so that as issues came up, we could triage them in real time. It's the first time the RNC's done that. And I will say the RNC did outraise the DNC by about 30 million, but our candidates were, were vastly outraised. Right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the, the provisions that we don't agree with necessarily as conservatives, you know, the, ball the, the ballot drop-off, the early voting. I mean, Election Day has turned into Election Month. Not thrilled about that. No. Uh, ballot harvesting is in about 12 states. Not thrilled with that. But these are the laws in these states, and until we change them, we need to make the best use of those laws. In fact, we did that in California working with churches. We did not ballot harvesting, but churches do collections, so we did ballot collections, and uh, it actually worked. It does work, and we are doing it in the states where it's legal, we have to. So Minnesota, or Montana, for example, they have ballot harvesting, we won with Ryan Zinke, because we do it as well. California, if you look at the Duarte seat that we just flipped, uh, and we kept four Republican seats in California, we actually did better than the Democrats on ballot harvesting, where it's legal. The states we don't do it in, where it's illegal, we're not going to do it. We're not right, going to break right. the law. We're against it. But we can't ignore the laws on the books. And what I say to people is if the Democrats are having a month to collect ballots and we say, no, just come out on Election Day, we're putting ourselves at a dis disadvantage because what if something happens or you get in a car accident or the weather's bad? Think about feeding your family, right? If you had to feed your family for the winter, would you say, I want to harvest for a month or I want to harvest for a day? And you're going to get a lot more if you do it for a month. And it allows us, when we bank those votes, to on Election Day know what voters we right. still need to get. And this is why this is critical. We have some in our party who are very against early well, voting, uh, and we've, we, we're going to have to embrace I mean, I'm it. not for it, but as long as it's there, until no, we I'm not can for change it, either. it, until yeah. we can change it, I'm and I think that's it. what we're saying. We is have to until, abide by the laws. Right. Until we can change it and get the laws back to where they need to be, we need to play on a, on a level playing field. It is. I'm also not for it. I'm for yeah, election day voting. I'm for getting rid of ballot harvesting. I'm for voter ID. I think but you're saying let's delta, use it if it's But there. if it's there, we can't ignore it. I and agree. the Democrats are utilizing that. So let's talk about this, this advisory council sure. and, uh, and, and what we're going to be doing. Let me know what we're going to be doing. Thank you for being part of this. You know, I think it's always important to do an after-action report and say what went right, what went well. One of the things, what went right, what went wrong. One of the things we're seeing with this election in particular is how much ticket splitting there was. Republicans won yes. statewide in almost every state. You know, the top vote getter in Arizona was a Republican. Uh, that in Wisconsin we won statewide, in New Hampshire we won. So why, in, in, in Georgia, 200,000 Kemp voters voted for Warnock. So why are Republicans ticket splitting and voting for Democrats? Yeah. That's one of the questions. Yeah. What was mm -hmm. the Dobbs effect? I think being pro-life is a winning issue, but our candidates have to be able to talk about being pro-life. Well, you look and this at the, you look your at, reports right, help. and you look at and already we've looked at a lot of this data. When you look at the Republican governors who had like Kemp, yeah, uh, like Stitt in in Oklahoma, Governor Dewine Abbott. in Ohio, all of those that had taken strong pro-life positions, not just in talking about it, but actually passing legislation won overwhelmingly re -election. We have some candidates who are being pummeled with deceptive lies about right. it, saying we won't give life-saving care to a woman who had a miscarriage. And with $30 million in ads are being spent against you and you can't even talk about where you stand on that issue, it creates a vacuum right. of, of untruth. And so our candidates and their consultants, and I'm going to say consultants mainly, we need to be able to talk about being pro-life and then talk about their extreme positions on gender selection, due date abortions, and then other issues There as is well. a hesitancy in the consultant class Correct. to talk about these issues. There is. I cannot even tell you how many candidates, and you and I have talked about this a lot through the summer because the RNC put out a memo. We said, address this, take this head on. How many candidate consultants said, we don't want to talk about it, it's not polling well. But the reality is when you're putting 30 million behind something, it doesn't matter how right. it's polling, it's an right. issue. And when people are not truthful in exactly. the process, it makes it even more difficult. You have to fight the, the mistruth right. with the truth, and we need our candidates to do that. Ron, I want to thank you for joining us Thank today. You for Always me. great to talk with you and look forward to, uh, to our work on the I'm advisory. I'm excited. Council. Thank you for being willing to do that. You're going to be a great help in addition. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Twitter files. Now, the Biden administration says it's a distraction. But the Russia collusion that they alleged occurred when President uh, Trump was running for office, that 
That took two years of investigations. Well, we're going to be talking about the man who may oversee these investigations. We're going to be talking about James Comer next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, we are broadcasting from the FRC Media Center, not the normal studio, because we have a live audience of uh, our partners from across the country who are in town. Always great to have uh, friendly faces here. Well, among the many outcomes from the Republicans taking control of one chamber of Congress next month will be their ability to manage hearings and conduct investigations. Now, some Republicans want the Twitter executives involved in suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story during the 2020 presidential campaign to come forward and uh, talk to Congress about their decisions. Did Twitter suppress this story at the behest of the Biden campaign, or was there a push from a government agency? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman James Comer. He serves on the House Committee on Education and Labor and the House Oversight Committee, where he is the ranking member. And in the 118th Congress, he'll be the chairman. He represents Kentucky's 1st District. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Great to be back. Thanks for having me, Tony. And uh, congratulations uh, on uh, being named today the chairman of the committee in the 118th Congress. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to hit the ground running. Well, I look forward to uh, the work that you'll be doing. Now, let me ask you this question. What are you hoping to learn by calling Twitter executives to testify about the Biden laptop story? We want to know exactly who told them to suppress the story, who told them that this was Russian disinformation, because this should be concerning to every American. What we now know, uh, what we've known for a long time, is the laptop story is legitimate. It is authentic. The laptop has never been compromised. We saw a few weeks ago, CBS did a forensic audit and proved what I've been saying all along, that this was a legitimate hard drive. It had not been tampered with. So my concern is that it was uh, more than likely the FBI. I think in the next few days, we'll know that for sure. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was the FBI because we know the FBI was communicating uh, with Twitter and Facebook long after the, the presidential election, before and after. But here's the concerning thing about the FBI. They had the laptop. They knew very well that the laptop was legitimate. They knew that it was not Russian disinformation. Why would then uh, anyone from the federal government go to social media companies and pressure them 
to suppress that story. Now, I understand why the Biden campaign did it, and I understand why the Democrat National Committee did it. I expect nothing more from them. I'm not worried about them right now. I'm worried about the fact that people employed by the government would would do such a thing. And now we know that you know Twitter's main lawyer, who was uh, cheering this decision on, encouraging Twitter to ban it, was a former attorney, former counsel for the FBI, who had their fingerprints all over the the Russian nonsense that they harassed President Trump from over the, the first two years. So uh, we've got a lot of concerns about the fact that uh, the DOJ and FBI has been weaponized and politicized, and this is more evidence of it. Uh, of course, for the Biden family investigation, the contents of the hard drive is very important. It shows evidence that would uh, lead anyone to believe that not only did Joe Biden know about the influence peddling, but he was also a part of the influence peddling. I mean, if this proves to be true. I mean, this is explosive. The fact that you would have your own government putting this, um, the suppressing this information that would have affected, potentially affected, we don't know, but certainly could, a reasonable person could assume that this would have affected the outcome of the election. Yeah, I mean, the media made Joe Biden out to be an ethical guy who was going to unite America. Obviously, he campaigned on that. Lots of campaigns are going to campaign on that. So, again, I'm not faulting Joe Biden for campaigning on being an ethical guy, someone who's going to be a uniter, not a divider. But here we have the federal government uh, taking part in this, knowing that the contents of that hard drive would prove that Joe Biden is corrupt. They would know that Joe Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of his sons and his brother's shady business dealings. So I do think that it would have had an impact on a lot of voters if they really knew the extent to what Joe Biden's family has done to profit off of his name and his position in the government over the past decade. I mean, this sounds like the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, are, are we going to see a reform of the FBI if this proves to be true? Uh, there's no doubt. And Jim Jordan, who's also on the Oversight Committee, who works very closely with me, he's leading the investigation of the DOJ and FBI to determine whether, in fact, it has been politicize or weaponize. I think I know the answer to that, but he's obviously gathering information. This is more proof that we have an FBI and a DOJ that's out of control. Uh, they've been biased against conservatives. They've gotten involved in, in the last several elections. We used to never hear the FBI involved in election. If they, if they nailed a politician, it was because they deserved to be nailed. Now we've got, you know, biased FBI agents like Peter Strzok, like Jim Baker, who are making decisions that are impacting the outcome of elections and, and censoring conservative speech. This should be a concern to everyone who cares about the First Amendment, everyone who cares about civil liberties. Uh, Congressman Comer, up against a break, but very quickly, since Twitter, the Twitter files reveal this, do we think this was happening with other social media platforms in the uh, tech world? Absolutely. Zuckerberg's already alluded to the fact that the FBI approached him in uh, what appears to be the same manner that they've approached Twitter with respect to warning them about a potential bombshell story about a president's relative that uh, sure sounds a lot like Russian disinformation. That, that's what those 51 former intelligence officials signed in a letter. They said, you know, this, this Hunter Biden laptop story sure sounds a lot like Russian disinformation. They were carefully choosing their words, but no one can argue that uh, they stepped in and uh, tried to do everything in their ability to suppress a story that uh, we now know is 100% true. Well, Mr. Chairman, we're going to be watching this very, very closely. Thanks so much for joining us today, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Congressman James Comer of Kentucky, the incoming chairman in the 118th Congress of the Oversight Committee. All right, coming up, are military academies denying diplomas to graduating students just because they won't get the COVID shot? going to talk about this next with Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. 
men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us as we're broadcasting before a group of partners from across the country. Merry Christmas. Good to have you with us. All right, last night, the House and Senate Armed Services Committee released the tax for the National Defense Authorization Act and It does state that the Pentagon must rescind the mandate that members of the armed services be vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, this is a positive step, but does nothing for the service members already discharged from the military for refusing the jab. And now there are reports of military academies denying diplomas to graduating students without the jab. Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Greg Stubbe. He's a member of the House Judiciary Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman Stubbe, welcome back to the program. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Now, you've been uh, speaking out about this, demanding answers from the military academies on this, where uh, those students who have done every graduate's done everything they have been required to do, but not get the jab that their diplomas were being withheld. What do we know about this? Yeah, so I have a constituent in my district. It was actually one of my first appointments. Uh, she was appointed to the Naval Academy and uh, reached out to us about oh, a couple of months ago saying that she's being told by her commanders that because she's refused uh, the COVID vaccine. And oh, by the way, not only has she, she, she hasn't just simply refused it, she's filed religious exemptions for a waiver to not take the COVID shot, um, and that was denied, and then her appeal was summarily denied. Uh, So we started engaging on the issues and come to find out 18 of the midshipmen, every single midshipman at the Naval Academy that requested a religious exemption to the COVID vaccine was summarily denied. Uh, So we're in the process of sending another follow-up letter to the, the Navy officer who's in charge of denying all of these religious exemptions. And then last night, last night the text got released on the uh, NDAA that does remove the vaccine mandate, but as you said in your opening, doesn't really address the people that have been kicked out of service uh, for refusing to take the COVID jab. And for people like her that are in her circumstance, is she going to now get a diploma? Is she going to be able to be commissioned? Uh, those are questions that we've we've just changed 
and are resending the letter out. But those are questions that we have as this thing moves forward. I mean, Greg, you're a veteran. You served in our nation's military. I mean, these are men and women who've served honorably, who are being booted out or have been booted out simply because they did not want to get this experimental vaccination. And it's a shot. This is not right. Uh, that uh, it's great that we're not going to continue with this mandate, but we need to make these people whole. Well, and we will in the Republican majority. One of the things that I had asked was, why don't we just hold off on the NDA and fund it when Republicans take the majority in the House? We'll have much more leverage over the Senate when Republicans control the discourse on the House. Uh, unfortunately, they're still moving forward with that. But my hope is uh, when we do the next appropriations bill that that will get fixed. But that's still, like you said, that's not going to solve the problem for all these individuals that have been released from service, simply not just from refusing to take the vaccine. These people, most of them, have filed religious exemptions that their faith is not allowing them to take the vaccine, and they're still being denied. And that's just, one, it's completely un-American. Uh, it's not uh, what our service should be focused on. We should be service focused on readiness and the national security of our, um, of our military and not pushing an experimental vaccine on service members who, oh, by the way, are least likely to die uh, if they do actually actually contract COVID. You're absolutely right, because I've been asking, trying to get the actual number of active duty military members that died as a result of COVID. The Secretary of Defense will not give that number. He just talks about DOD personnel, which includes contractors, family members. But right. to my knowledge, the only number I can find is really just a few dozen active duty military members who died as a result of COVID. And the president himself says that the pandemic is over. So why keep pushing this? You're right, uh, Congressman, in terms of how to fix this. The only way to do this is to boot the NDAA into January, which is not a big deal. It, can, it could happen. But that would require the leadership of the Republican Party in both chambers to take a hard line on this. Yeah, and I've asked in other interviews for our senators to stand strong in the Senate. Uh, the NDAA requires 60 votes in the Senate to pass. So if those 10 Republicans said, no, we're going to wait until there's a Republican majority in the House and have more ability to get more concessions, the things that we want in this process, then the bill wouldn't pass. And we're not we're not talking we're talking days. Uh, the swearing right. is on January 3rd. We're talking days that this could be done by a Republican majority. Uh, I hope that the Senate, our Republican senators, will stand up and vote no on this piece of legislation and just wait until we get the majority here, have the gavels, and have the ability to leverage more things for the American people. Well, I know Senator Mike Lee, I was talking with him this morning, that that's what he's pushing for in the Senate, so hopefully he will be successful in convincing enough of his colleagues to stand with him. Congressman Greg Stubbe, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Well, you know what's amazing? We mentioned this earlier with uh, Congressman Jody Heiss that, you know, with the military continuing to, uh, you know, force this issue. In fact, the, the president and the secretary of defense does not want to go along with the lifting of this mandate. But yet, as I mentioned, let me pull this article up. This started on Monday. Um, on Monday, the Navy began a pilot program that will let in those who have lower scores on part of the entrance exam used to gauge a recruit's ability to serve. Now, this is based on the fact that they have not been able to meet their recruitment um, goals. In fact, they're even extending the age of those that can enlist to the age of 41. Now, I really want to see somebody who's 41 going through boot camp. That would be interesting. But the reality is they're pushing out healthy, trained individuals simply because they will not bow to this political agenda of the left. Joining me now to talk about this and more is the executive vice president of the Family Research Council, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent 36 and a half years in the military, in the Army, I should say. General, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. I, you know, today is... The day in which 81 years ago, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. It's Pearl Harbor Day. And America was just, I mean, we were vulnerable. We were not paying attention. Um, are we moving toward a very similar position of vulnerability today? Yeah, on, on several fronts. First of all is the demonstrated lack of leadership in the country at the very highest levels. And, and all you have to do is 
look at some of the things that have occurred, some of the decisions that have been made in Afghanistan would be the perfect place to start looking at that. But the other thing is our military is in decline, and there's no question about it. All branches of the service are in decline. And this, uh, it's, and it's not just the vaccine. The vaccine has had a, a significant effect on people in the military, primarily because they've been bullied or they've seen their buddies who were not willing to take the jab. They've, they've seen them being bullied by the same chain of command that tomorrow could take them to war right. and would be expected to follow this chain of command. But it's also had a significant effect on the young men and women in America who might want to join the military, might want to enlist in the military or go through the commissioning process. And now you see what's happening. They're not coming to the military in significant numbers, certainly not in the uh, adequate numbers to fill the ranks of our military. No, no service has recruited up to its potential. But the, you mentioned the vaccine is not the only thing. The vaccine is really kind of uh, a symbol of the woke agenda, really, because of what they're being taught, the precious training time that is being diverted away, preparing to defend this country, to fight wars, which is the purpose of the military. They're doing all kinds of other um, nonsense. That's how I would describe it. There is no question that there is a woke agenda that is uh, unfolding in the military now, and it has been ever since the Biden administration came to office. What was it, the second or third day that, uh, that our president was in office there when he, he rolled back the restrictions that Donald Trump had put on having transgenders yeah. serve in our military? Now, the question is, why... Would you want to put people in the military that you know for the next 18 to 24 months are not going to be deployable? And by the way, they're going to take thousands and thousands of dollars for their hormone treatment and their surgery. And you explain to me with any rationale whatsoever how that could be enhancing the readiness of our military to meet the threats of the future. Well, it also speaks to the moral climate of the military. Absolutely. You talk about the recruiting problem. It's not just the vaccination, the, the shot requirements, the woke agenda, but when you look, and you know this, having led uh, men and women for 36 years in the, in the Army, that disproportionately, not exclusively, but disproportionately, men and women that have a faith foundation are drawn to serve in our nation's militaries. What Jesus said, greater love have no man to lay down his life for his friends. I'm not saying that everyone is an evangelical Christian, but there is a disproportionate representation of those type of individuals in our military. Yeah, let me tell you something else, Tony. Uh, the military, all branches, have always relied very heavily upon the southeastern part of the United States to fill the ranks of the military because you, you, you've got a, a culture there that appreciates service, appreciate. My dad was one of five, five boys, five brothers that all went off to World War II, and that's part of the culture there. But now even the Commandant of the Marine Corps is saying that they're having real trouble recruiting out of the right. southeastern part that. of the United States now. That should be a strong indicator of things to come. Well, it's a hostility toward the faith. I mean, I was just, I've got, a, uh, I've got one of these um, pocket New Testaments from World War II that the members of the military uh, were given, and inside there is a message from the commander-in-chief, mm -hmm. a Democrat president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and this is what it says. To members of the Army, as Commander-in-Chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed services of the United States. Throughout the centuries, men of many faiths and diverse origins have found in the sacred book words of wisdom, counsel, and inspiration. It is a foundation of strength and now, as always, an aid in attaining the highest aspirations of the human soul. Very sincerely yours, Franklin D. Roosevelt. I mean, can you imagine if a president today were to put such an inscription in a New Testament and handed it to our men and women of the military? I can't imagine that, no. And I hope that uh, sometime later in the year you're going to read uh, the D-Day prayer. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we play that every that year. That same man. You know, I, I will say this. Prayer. We were working with the Trump administration 
uh, about putting that message back into the, uh, the Bibles that our troops had, because I think we were very close to being able to do that. And that's that moral foundation that is receptive to Christianity or religious expression, but we see the exact opposite. And as long as we have a military that is hostile to faith, you're going to have a difficult time recruiting men and women to serve. Yes, you are, and you're going to have a difficult time getting moms and dads across America to encourage their sons and daughters to serve as well. Let's talk about the flip side of that you've mentioned before. So what happens when that vacuum of those men and women of the moral compass is created in our military? What happens? Well, what you do is you wind up with a generation of people who who have don't want to have anything to do with the military, and that's because their father, their uncle, their brother, their friend was booted out of the military, was bullied before he was booted out. So who then serves? So, well, <laughs> you wind up with a bunch of mercenaries, exactly what you wind up with. And we do not need a mercenary army. You've got to have a cause. What, why do young men and women serve this country? At least in part, it's because of a sense of patriotism, a sense of, of cause, uh, of being something being bigger than them individually. And, uh, but when you have the kind of military that we're going to have, we start drafting in these people and letting in these people that don't have the aptitude, don't even have the intellect. And I'm sorry for them, but the reality is if you go on, you, you, you've been on a, a carrier before, I've never seen anything more complex and carrier operations, and I was in the Army, but I did have the privilege to go out and uh, with the John F. Kennedy, and uh, people get killed on the deck of that unless every man is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Well, we've seen that just in recent years with, our, with the Navy. I mean, running into other ships, right. surrendering uh, because of the lack of, of training, and that transcendent cause being really imbued in them as a, is really part of serving. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, and keep in mind that for every hour we are spending in a classroom with our young men and women in the services doing this uh, woke training, whether it's critical race theory or whether it's inclusion or whether it's one of these other woke agendas, it's an hour that they could be spending out on the range or at their battle stations training for the next war. Yeah. And there's going to be a next war, well, and I think we're, it's we're going just, to be in We're China. inviting it through yeah. weakness. General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for you, uh, joining us today. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank our live audience for joining us here today as well. Let me encourage you, call your member of Congress. Tell them to hold the line on spending only do a short-term funding measure into next year and tell them to, to do the National Defense Authorization Act next year when the Republicans can do the responsible thing. Just a couple of weeks away. Hold the line. You can contact them, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Or go to TonyPerkins.com. Follow the links over. Thanks so much for joining us today, and until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 7234.